Man, if you would, turn your Bibles to the book of Galatians. Galatians will be in chapter 5 here in just a little bit as we continue walking through the New Testament. We have, uh, we're kind of well into what I call the Ians, right? All of these letters to uh, the churches and, and, right? So you got Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all of the Thessalonians, the Ians of scripture. And so uh, we get to Galatians and Galatians is, is unique in that it is, it is a letter written really to the, the churches of Galatia. So it's not, not just a church there, but really a, a group of churches in Galatia and really in the surrounding areas. And you find this uh, in the book of Acts, certainly in uh, like 13, 14, 15, around there. Uh, and this letter seems to really be written out of passion and maybe even a little bit of frustration from Paul as, as there's this argument that has kind of come up about Jewish Christians and non-Jewish Christians. And like, are the non-Jewish Christians doing all the things that they're supposed to be doing uh, in connection with like Jewish law and some of those things? And, and so there's, there's some uh, confusion there. And maybe even there are some that are coming there that are saying, like, you guys have been getting it all wrong. They're, they're irritated at Paul. And so Paul writes this letter really uh, defending the gospel and the truth therein. And so in the first couple chapters of Galatians, he retells the gospel. If you remember a few weeks ago now, Matthew told you, told us uh, in 1 Corinthians that that's what was different about it, that he doesn't start out with this explanation of the gospel. But here in Galatians, we see that uh, is the, the norm, that Paul starts this letter with just a, trying to really make clear what the gospel is. Then in chapters three and four, he describes the beauty of this multi-ethnic community. So he's trying to help everybody see that there is Jewish Christian and there is non-Jewish Christian, but it's more than just Jews and non-Jews, that there's something more beautiful about it all together. Then we get to chapters five and six, where he really begins to describe this transformation that happens by the Holy Spirit change that happens in us as believers. So today we'll spend the bulk of our time in chapter five. So why don't we, why don't we read from there beginning in verse 16? So chapter five, beginning in verse 16. But I say this, walk by the spirit. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So, when I think about these verses, like let's, let's just get to it, right? When we look at the heart of the matter, the heart of the matter, what's, what's this about? The heart of the matter, even, even if you, maybe in your translation, it has those little like breaking, the little parts where it puts a little thing in there. A translator wrote, walk by the spirit. Does anybody have that in a little sub, a subheading? This is yes, this is no. Anybody else have a Bible in the room? Okay, somebody help me out here, okay? So walk by the Spirit. Some of your subheadings might say something like that. It's, and that's an accurate fit for, for this entire little category. This is really the heart of the matter in that, that Paul's really trying to get us to understand to walk by the Spirit. And what does that look like? And so part of that is that we are to walk by the Spirit continually, meaning ongoing, regularly, consistently. This is... Pretty simple, he starts it. But I say, walk by the Spirit. You see, to walk by the Spirit indicates the need to yield to the Spirit every day. Like all the time, at work, at a ball game, whether you're the player or the fan or the parent or the umpire, or the person who thinks they're an umpire, but they're really in the stands. Right? You're, supposed to, you're supposed to walk by the Spirit in all of these, in your home, like on the playground, at the grocery store, when someone cuts in front of you. All of this, you're supposed to be walking by the Spirit. Though, interestingly, the, the word here for walk, like the Greek word, uh, I'm going to try to say it, but don't, don't hold that against me, okay? So it, it's parathpatea. And so in its wider usage, it means to walk around after someone, like to follow someone, or maybe even to stay with someone. Does that make sense? Like you're just clinging to them. You're just hanging out with them. In fact, in the days of like Aristotle, his students were called peripatetics, right? They would literally just like, walk wherever he walked. They just went with him. They, if he went to the board to draw something on the chalkboard, buddy, they went with him, right? They go over here to try to learn more about whatever it is he's teaching. And so they would go too. So, so even this word, this is the idea, like to, to follow, to walk around with, to, to stay with. And so for the Christian, it means for us that to walk by the spirit, to, to walk by the word, to d discern the father's will, to follow his guidance. Walking by the spirit is the, the norm. This is what we're supposed to be doing. So, hey kids, I want you to do this later today. Moms and dads, you're getting an assignment today, okay? Sometime today, play a game of follow the leader. Maybe you play Simon Says mixed in with that or something, but like, I, I used to love that game. I also used to love being the leader. 
who's surprised, right? Like, I felt like that was the goal. Like, you were winning if you were the leader. So that was always my goal. Uh, I like games that have winners. Uh, Yeah, so anyway, but do that. And here's what I want you to do. that, That as you're playing that game, Remember that even though as you're following the leader or or doing Simon Says or whatever it is, that in the same way that you follow the leader, we are supposed to follow the Lord. We're supposed to follow the Spirit in that way. We're to walk in the Spirit. And so understand this. This is not like the deeper things of Christianity. This is the normal Christian life. Walking by the Spirit isn't something that you look around and say, man, those, those highly religious people, like those, that's the pastors, that's the elders that walk by the Spirit. That's the, like, maybe deacons do that, life group teachers, whatever category you, you want to put in some, some arbitrary list that you've created in your head. And so you say, like, that's the group that walks by the Spirit. No, no, no. If you are a follower of Christ, like, listen to the terminology. If you're a follower of Christ, then you should be walking in the spirit. If you call yourself a Christian, you say, I'm one who has united myself with Christ. I'm connected to Christ. So I'm going to walk by the spirit. This is the normal. In fact, later this fall, which Next week, I'll kind of go into more detail about an explanation of what's coming this fall, but I'm going to be spending some time with us, specifically taking us to God's word on how we can abide in Christ. And what does that look like very practically, according to scripture, for us to abide in Christ? How can we can remain in him, walk by the spirit according to the word? So you can think about like personal spiritual growth. Y'all ever have questions about that? Like just... Practically, you want to know, like, I want to know more about, yeah, everybody always talks about, uh, I'm supposed to be growing in Christ. What does that look like practically? Because you, you hear about that. But so we're going to spend some time this fall specifically looking into this idea of abiding in Christ, walking in the spirit, knowing the word. So we walk by the Spirit continually, meaning regularly, ongoing, but we walk by the Spirit in order to conquer the flesh. Now, this isn't just saying that the body itself is like a problem. So don't don't think that just because it uses this word flesh, it's meaning that like your skin is problematic. It's it's a differentiation between spirit and um, like what, what God the Holy Spirit and what we do, like our flesh, like our self. Does that make sense? So you can kind of think spirit and self are opposing, not so much like spirit and body. Does that make sense? Everybody good with that? Okay, so, so we come here and we get, keep going in verse 16 and 17. It says, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For, they, for these are opposed to each other keep you from doing the things you want to do. That seems to make a little bit more sense, right? It's not just that like your physical body wants to do something and your, the spiritual body wants to do something else. It's that your, your self 
wants to do something. We have this tendency. Paul elaborates on this in Romans 7 and 8, right? When he talks about, I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I do want to do. And he's talking about this conflicted nature that that happens within ourselves. And so similarly, spirit and flesh here is saying like, we, we want to do one thing, but the spirit in us tells us we ought to be doing something else. This is desires of the flesh. Like these are things that are all around us. We see things on TV and on the internet. We hear things in songs. We, we want popularity. We want authority. We want respect. We want money. We want people to be jealous of us. We want to not just be like keep up with the Joneses. We want to be the Joneses. So everybody else like, wants to keep up with us. We want stuff. And so by gratifying the desires of the flesh is not desiring the things of the spirit. So rem- remember this though. This is, it's, I found this to be really helpful for me as I was processing through this. It's not just stuff that we see in front of us. It's not just stuff. It's not just like alcohol. It's not just um, pornography on a phone somewhere or on the internet or whatever. Remember, desires of the flesh exist even if you were by yourself on an island in the middle of nowhere and there was no seemingly earthly temptations around you. So you can't just simply blame like your surroundings. Sometimes I think we do that. We try to put all of the blame on what's happening around us, the, the culture around us, the people around us. Now, certainly, if you might need to get rid of your phone in order to stop looking at stuff you shouldn't be looking at, you might need to stop going to a bar if you have a problem with drinking. But don't just rid yourself of the symptom. You have to rid yourself of the problem. You don't just like clean up a cobweb. You kill the spider, right? You want, you want spiders to stop coming around. You kill the spider. You don't just like take out its house. It'll build another one. So this is us. Like when we're walking by the spirit, we're not just removing like things around us. That's part of it that cause temptation. But we're actually like saying no to those things. We're, we're killing the sin. And all of this helps us see. So when we walk by the Spirit, we walk by the Spirit continually and in order to conquer the flesh, like to say no to the things that we desire, but we're also doing this. We're walking by the Spirit to no longer be captive to the law. Right? So look at verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And this is, this is not saying that the law is bad. Paul writes extensively about that in the book of Romans as well, right? The law is a good thing. The law is a gift to us. But the law, what the law does is point out the sin in our life. That's what the law does. It tells us what we're doing wrong. It, it's there to like shine a light on how we're going against God. But what, what he says is it's helpful here even to translate this, this word if, in verse 18, as since. So let's read it that way. But since you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. 
So if we've just established in these couple verses above it, that if you're a follower of Christ, you're walking by the Spirit, you're walking with Christ, you're walking with the Lord, you don't have to desire the, the things of the flesh, you don't desire those things, but you desire the things of the Spirit instead. So since you are led by the Spirit, because this is who you are, you're no longer under the burden of the law. It means that those who are led by the Spirit are no longer under the law in the sense that they are no longer being uh, belong to the old era of redemptive history. Paul's already described in this letter that living under the law leads to being under a curse. And sin's power is like a guardian for us. So think about this. Remember how I started and said this letter is like a came out of this passion and almost a frustration from Paul, who's, who's seeing these two groups of people, one that's Jewish Christians, saying like, you need to be circumcised, you need to be uh, eating kosher, you need to be doing certain things that, are, that have, you need to be still doing sacrifices even. They're, they're making those kinds of arguments. And these, these people who are non-Jewish Christians are saying, why? Why am, I, why am I still supposed to be held to, to those laws? Not talking about the law that we would think about when it comes to uh, things that are sin, right? Like uh, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not covet. Those things are still there for us. They're not arguing about that. They're arguing about stuff that has been fulfilled in the cross. Think about the song we were just singing like, uh, at the couple songs back, right? It's finished at the cross. The, the work that the cross already did, what Jesus did. And so, so what Paul is saying, like even in Galatians 3, he says, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. If you're relying on your ability to accomplish the law, to fulfill all that the law has, you're going to fail. Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. So if you fail even at one of them, you've lost it all. That's it. So like you're going to be cursed. Like just go through a, a short list and real quick, we get like to a realization that we have failed. We have sinned, right? Like it's, it doesn't take long. It's not a long list. We can get asked just a couple different questions to determine whether or not we are sinners. I, I think about like, Jesus makes that very clear in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Some of you say like, oh, I've never killed anybody. But he says like, if you've been angry, it's just as bad as murder. I've never committed adultery, but if you've ever looked at a woman with lust in your eyes, you've committed adultery. Like, you're talking about raising the bar to a whole other level, right? It's not just saying like, hey, I've, I've never done the, the bad ones. No, you, yeah, you have. It's a redefinition of what, what really is wicked. The scripture has in prison, verse 22 of chapter three, the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. So, so now Christ has come so that those of us under the law don't have to live like that. 
Remember, David was just saying this, that we're given a, a new type of freedom and not a freedom so that we can go and say that we get to do whatever it is we want. That's not what freedom is. Freedom is giving us the opportunity to follow Christ freely. So we're no longer under that weighty guardian type scenario. Because faith has come, verse 25. So, so now... Now imagine being that non-Jewish Christian who's being told on this one side, you guys are getting it all wrong. You're not, you're not fulfilling the sacrifices. You're not circumcised. You're not eating the right food or you're eating the wrong food. And now Paul's reminding them of the gospel that is true, right? Verses, I mean, chapters one and two. And nowhere in there are they told those things. Can you imagine the, the burden that would be falling off their shoulders? Like, we don't have to keep doing whatever the thing is. We can do more for the glory of God because now we're set free from these burdens. So even for the Jewish believer who is saying like, I don't have to do that anymore. Like the stuff that, that, that was fulfilled in the cross, I don't have to do anymore. Here's how this applies to us, to most of us in the room, I would guess, are uh, non-Jewish believers. We are set free to do the work of Christ for the glory of Christ. We're set free not to be caught up in trying to check all the boxes. We're like, we don't have to do the write the certain amount of money in a, on an envelope. We get to give joyfully. We don't have to read our Bible every day so that we can check that box. We get to walk in the word because we want to know God more and enjoy him more. We don't have to share the gospel with our neighbor in order for us to get salvation. We want to share the gospel with our neighbor in order that they get salvation. See, this, this changes us because this sets us free from being captive to the law. So this is the heart of the matter. When you look at, at this portion of scripture, the heart of the matter is to walk by the Spirit. When you walk by the Spirit, you want to walk continually, ongoing, regularly, as such, you, you want to remember that in this you, you conquer sins of the flesh and you are no longer captive to the law. But there's not just the heart of the matter. There's also the hurt of the lost. See, if you don't know Christ, this is a hard thing to wrestle with because you don't have the Spirit in you to walk by. So think about the works of man. Think about what, what man does. Again, this, think some about the flesh there. And throughout scripture, Paul does this a lot, but he's not the only one. There are these categories of sin that get listed out. And they're like a litany of sinful things that take place, right? You, you remember seeing these other places in scripture? 
Some of you are like, I think I should nod my head. I'm not sure. Yes, right? So we've seen these things in scripture before. But so listen to these in verses 19 through 21. It's a lengthy list. It's not an exhaustive list of sin, but it's a long list. The worst works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Paul's just making sure you knew it wasn't exhaustive by saying, and things like these. All the stuff that you're like, well, what about, <laughs> yep, that. What about, uh-huh. Things like these. It's this extension, right? And so you can even put those in, in categories. So you think about, ultimately, there's this sexual sin that's described sexual morality, sexual impurity, sexual sensuality. Sexual sin is a major problem. It was a major problem in the church in Galatia. It's a major problem today. It's a major problem in America. It's a major problem in Mississippi and in Madison and Ridgeland and Jackson. And sadly, it can be a major problem here. Sexual sin with another person, whether physically or even inviting in sexual sin by watching pornography, grieves the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know Listen carefully to those of you who are justifying it. It affects many others. This is not something that just affects you. And if you have fallen into the lie, the trap that says, this is, this is really just, it's a sin, yes, but it's really just me and the Lord. You are wrong. And it is, it displays a graphic self-centeredness. That's really what this is about, right? Self-centered focus on you and your pleasure and your desire and your wants and not, which we'll get to in a minute, not self-control. It dishonors those made in the image of God. Have you thought of that? It violates God's pure plan for marriage and it is the total opposite of fruit of the Spirit. Also, there's lists in here regarding religion. You see like idolatry. So that's that everyone worships something, right? We hear that all the time. Analogies are given about everything from sports to work to your bank account to uh, retirement to aiming towards something. We, we find ourselves fixing our eyes and our focus on something else. We, we fix our bank account. We fix our calendar on that something, whatever that thing is. And so that's the thing that we worship. We think that that thing is best. And so this is the work of idolatry that we have said or decided or determined in ourselves that that thing matters more. He also says, he talks about sorcery. So thinking about manipulating dark powers this is, this is religious sin. He 
talks about problems in relationships. And he gives a lengthy list there. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. All of this is relational sin. And here's what I want. One of the pieces I really want you to hone in on, both with this and the fruit of the Spirit. Do not blame your personality or try to say that your personality is this way. And so you're like, you can, it's okay. I'm, you know what? It's just the way I am. I'm, I have a, I have a short fuse. Like that's unacceptable. You don't get to say that to God. Like, oh, well you made me this way. You know, I just, I just, I'm not patient. I know I'm, I really prefer gloom. I'm like a glass half full kind of, no, you're like a glass empty, right? Like, like those are the kind of things, like you don't just you say that that's my personality. You're made in the very image of God, filled with the spirit who has been given these things. And so you don't get to say like, that's just my personality. And if so, like change it. And, and don't, this is hard, but don't find yourself celebrating these characteristics and traits of sin. We do this in things that we watch and things that we listen to, conversations we have, jokes that we make. And, and then he gives a couple things in particular when he describes indulgences. So we go drunkenness and orgies where it's, it's an extremity. Taking things that might even have been good initially and taking them too far, so far that they become sin. So this is the works of men. This is the hurt of the lost. This is what we do. And so he gives a warning. So there's the warning of God. There's the works of man and the warning of God. Look at the second half of verse 21. That those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I warn you as I warned you before. I've said this. I'm going to say it again. This is what he says. I'm going to say it again. I'm warning you again. You do these things. You act like this. You, you live out these sins over and over. You don't get the kingdom of God. I don't know if you guys just breeze past that, but that should cause a real fear. a scary reality. Like what? What if that's me? It should cause enough concern that you spend time evaluating this list and saying, God, are any of these things in my life? Ask him, Look at the list, write them down. Mark where you can say, yes, so God, forgive me. He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. So ask for forgiveness. Don't just look at it and say, yes, that's me. Like seek repentance, seek change in this. And here's what I want you to know, right? There is the hurt of the lost, but there is the hope of the saved. 
So if you hear all that and you think, oh no, like what, what now? This, this is not sounding good. There is hope. Hope is the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against these things, there is no law. That makes a whole lot of sense after we just talked about all the, the law controversy, right? He's saying like, no, this is the good stuff. By the way, you guys, I, I love telling you my pet peeves. Y'all know I have some of those, like little angel Baby angel thing stresses me out. Uh, and when people say Psalms 23 instead of Psalm 23, like you know these things about me, it's just a fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. It's not fruits of the Spirit. And don't be stressed out about that. I get it. It's plural, blah, blah, blah. But like, here's what it's saying. It's saying that when you get it, you get all of it. If it's fruits, then you might have to pull one and only get some of them. Like you might, you might get some joy, but you don't really have peace. Or you might have patience, but you don't really get kindness or whatever. No, no, no. But if it's one fruit, you get all of it. All of you get to, you get to enjoy all of the fruit of the Spirit. Thanks for bearing with me, hearing that concern, right? It's just one fruit. I think of uh, just this past Wednesday, uh, my, my class, I've uh, been teaching in growth groups. We, we finished a week or so before some of the other classes. And so I had a chance this past week to walk around in some of the different areas. And so I went into uh, preschool praisers, which like, if you have never done that, you should right? It's fun. Uh, you, they, they might even let you have a carpet square to stand on, okay? So you stand in your spot, but there is joyful music. And so we were singing the Fruit of the Spirit song, right? So the Fruit of the Spirit sounded a coconut. Fruit of the Spirit sounded a coconut. If you want to be a Fruit of the Spirit, if you want to be a coconut, you might as well hear it. You can't be a Fruit of the Spirit. Because anybody know this part? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Right? So here's the thing. Like, y'all got it, right? Somebody else there got that. Preschool praises, good times. Don't forget it. But here's the deal. Like, that's what we want. Both as kids, as adults, we want the fruit of the Spirit. We want love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I will tell you, I will tell you that patience is the one that people try to tell me all the time that the Lord didn't give them. And you're wrong. You're wrong. He's giving you all of himself. And this isn't a matter of you just like uh, practicing it. Like, oh, I need, to, I need to work on my patience. No, it's like I need the spirit to enact patience for me. Because myself... I'm failing at that. You know what? I'm, I'm failing in, in being at peace. I'm having anxiety and worry and fear. And so I'm not at peace. So I need the spirit to do what I can't do because the, the flesh is failing. I'm going to get this wrong again. So I need, I need I'm, not, I'm not being gentle with my children. So I need the, the spirit to be gentle on my behalf because I can't, I can't do it on my own. I, I keep failing. I'm not controlled. I'm 
choosing sin over and over and over. So I need the spirit to control. Give me, grant me self-control because the spirit is the only one that provides this. So I need this. I am not just glass half empty. I want to be more. I want to be my cup overflows as the psalmist writes, right? I want to have that kind of mindset. So I, I need joy in this kind of way. And so because of that, I need the spirit to do what only the spirit can do. And so we, we call on the spirit and say, you do what only you can do. And here's what's phenomenal. This is the promise of the Spirit. So here's the fruit of the Spirit. It's what you're given, but this is the promise. You're given this. So what he says right following that in verse 24 is those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If you belong, if you are with Christ, then your sin and that other litany of sin, the list that's been made there, has all been crucified on the cross with Christ. That's why in baptism, right? We say you're buried with Christ in death, raised to walk in newness of life. Like you're, you're made new. You trade sexual immorality and religious idolatry and sorcery and enmity and strife and jealousy, and fits of anger. You, you trade that in death because you belong to Christ because you, even going back to Galatians 2.20, you've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. So all of that's put to death. And when you raise to walk in newness of life, you are walking in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control control. That is what's given to you. This is the promise of the Spirit. Believers belong to Christ and believers possess the Holy Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. It's full circle, right? It was right back to the beginning. So what does it mean to walk by the Spirit? Walk continually in the Spirit. Follow, like, like those students of Aristotle, right? To just go wherever he goes, do whatever he does. Think about the freedom that that gives you. So often we are trapped in trying to hear direction specifically from the Lord. Do I need to sell my house? Do I need to change my job? But if, if we're just walking with the Lord, there's a lot of freedom there then. I'm just doing what the Lord, I'm taking the next step. I'm going where he goes. And this is, this is what's so great about how, how he then concludes Galatians verses 14 and following. So chapter six. He concludes right before he gives a couple of little, uh, like a, a salutation in verse 18. But in verse 14, he says, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. It's not about, it's not about like checking the boxes. It's not about doing the things. But all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy 
upon them and upon Israel. He says, give grace and peace to everyone. Our boast is not in our ability to check boxes. Our boast is in the cross that conquered all of our sin. Our our joy is made complete, not in our work, but in Christ's sufficient work on the cross. So I think about for you, for some of you today, you've never embraced this truth. And you're still trying really hard. And you're failing. You're trying to do all of the things you're showing up here every week, putting money in an offering box. But you're, you're trying to earn salvation that can't be earned. So today, I plead with you to repent of your sin and to even repent of the sin of self-effort. Call on the one who is, does the work of redeeming grace. And for those of you who are followers of Christ, Remember that all of that sin and strife was put to death on the cross and exchanged for you the fruit of the Spirit. So enjoy it all. Use it because the Spirit has been given to you to use. So today, if there's decisions you need to make, stirring in you that Maybe there's even questions you have. There'll be some to my left in this room that would love to talk to you about that. So as we sing, you can certainly do that. But maybe it is right where you are. You just need to call out to the Lord. Maybe there's areas that you're even thinking, I don't even have to write them down, Chad. I know what areas I've been, been sinning. I think about the song we're about to sing. There's a part that says, I will build my life right? I'm building my life firmly, firmly fixed on the word of God and the truth in it. So maybe you make that claim today, that statement that as you sing these words, you say this to the Lord, this is what I'm doing. I'm holding fast to what you by your spirit do in me. So stand with me now as we respond to the Lord.